Hampton, South Carolina, the tiny town where Alec Murdoch's family has wielded power for generations. Now the disgraced attorney is charged with murdering his wife and son and accused of trafficking drugs and stealing more than $8 million from former clients and his old law firm. Lawsuits and indictments allege that another area lawyer and a former local bank chief executive were also in on the financial crimes. Here is Hampton resident Heather Brimmer on what all of those charges suggest about the town. It sort of gives the impression that either people here were too stupid to realize what was happening all around them, or that they were indifferent or in some way complicit. Is that impression true? What is life like now in Hampton? And how are people in this small rural town dealing with all the media attention that has turned it into a backdrop for a true crime drama? Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from the Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover the story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. Today, we're talking with Kelly Jean Kelly about Alex Murdoch's hometown. Kelly, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a reporter for the Post and Courier, and I'm actually based in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is a resort retirement community. It's an island um, about an hour and a half away from Hampton. So for this story, I drove up and uh, spent a couple days there and chatted with the locals and um, tried to learn a little bit more about the place. So Hampton is really on the map now, for those of us who didn't know about it before, um, I will say the fact that we didn't know about it before and now we do um, speaks to the fact that it is really a small place. It is a small rural place, even for South Carolina. It's about four and a half miles square and has a population of about 3,000 people. And the area around it, Hampton County, is historically known for timber farming. There are a lot of trees and there are a lot of churches. As you're driving up the road, mostly that's what you see along the side. I'll say it's it's actually not very far away from some bigger cities that people probably have heard of. So the Savannah, Savannah, Georgia, and Charleston, South Carolina, where we are now, even Buford, South Carolina. Those are pretty big cities. They're pretty popular, touristy kind of cities. And folks from Hampton do go there. It's pretty easy. I chatted with a lady whose husband works in Savannah, so he drives about an hour and 15 minutes each way for his job. And I talked to a college student who takes classes in Charleston, and that's about 80 miles away. So while people from Hampton go to Savannah and Charleston, people from Savannah and Charleston do not go to Hampton very often. Not much to do there. No, not unless you know somebody there already. I will say that there is a watermelon festival in June. It's pretty well known. And I'm told it's a good area for hunting, but it is not exactly a tourist destination. In fact, the main street of the town, it's called Lee Avenue. It's only about three blocks long. And the courthouse sits at one end, and the railroad tracks sit at the other. So there are some storefronts in between, but the fact that Hampton is anchored by two structures from the 1800s gives you a little bit of a sense of how anachronistic the place feels. I chatted with a guy who runs an auto body shop, his name's Guy Hodge, and he called Hampton antique, and I think that's a pretty good word. I grew up in a very small town in South Texas with the railroad track at the end of the main square. Uh, this is all feeling very familiar. Uh, backwater, podunk, those sorts of words. 
Yes, and those sorts of words have been used to describe Hampton, but um, Hampton is really trying to shake that image. That's one of the things I found out in reporting this story. They really had some economic momentum, they had some artistic momentum going into the Murdoch drama, and the Murdoch drama is really not helping Hampton tell the story about itself that it wants to tell. I could imagine, but let's let's get specific. In what way is this derailing? Um, so I want to go back to the clip that you played at the beginning, Heather Brummer. And I featured her in my reporting because she's trying to do something really interesting in Hampton. A couple years ago, in about 2018, she and a few other people created this initiative called the Hampton Friends of the Arts. And the goal was to attract businesses to Hampton. So they took one of those empty storefronts on Lee Avenue and they turned it into an art gallery. Next door to that art gallery, there's an old theater, this beautiful Art Deco theater. It had a chain on the door for years. They revitalized it, fixed it up. Now it's an active performance hall. They invited professional artists to come and paint murals on the wall in the town, and they held writing and filmmaking classes for kids. So Brummer told me that they were starting to get a lot of positive press, and then the Murdoch investigations began. I guess the thing for us with all of the Murdoch case was it kind of took all the oxygen out of the room. We had gotten a lot of momentum, and we were starting to get a lot of um, positive press. Um, but then this sort of happened, and then nobody wanted to hear. <laughs> Almost like they didn't want to hear a good news story, you know what I mean? And what story do people want to hear? So we have to go back more than 100 years to the early 1900s. The great-grandfather of Alec Murdoch, Randolph Murdoch started a law firm in Hampton. And that firm also offered him a springboard into politics. Voters elected him to be the area's chief prosecuting attorney as well. Now, Randolph Murdoch died in 1940 when his car stopped in the middle of those railroad tracks and a train hit him. But his family sued the railroad company and won. And that's important because they already had some wealth, but the family grew even wealthier over successive generations, not only because of that lawsuit, but because of that family law firm, which continued. And the firm took advantage of what's called a venue statute. A venue statute is part of the legal code that allowed people who were like injured in a business that operates in Hampton County to file a lawsuit there, even if they didn't live or work in Hampton. That's a little bit hard to, to explain, so let me just give you an example. That railroad that goes through Hampton County, if a person was injured anywhere on the railroad in South Carolina, they could bring suit in Hampton just because the train happens to travel through the town. So the Murdochs, and as well as some other partners in that law firm, they became rich by winning judgments from corporations with deep pockets, including railroads. And at the same time, the next two Murdoch sons, Randolph Murdoch Jr. and Randolph Murdoch III, also served as the 14th Circuit Solicitor. So for 86 years straight, a Murdoch was the county's chief prosecutor. And that combination of wealth and political power is the reason why you'll hear people refer to the Murdochs as a low country dynasty. And yet Hampton County as a whole is not well off. No. I actually just saw a statistic from the Community Foundation of the Low Country that said 23% of people in Hampton County live in poverty. Hampton County is the county, Hampton is the seat of the county. So that's about one in four people living in poverty there. And just for comparison, in South Carolina as a whole, about 14% live in poverty. So when you're in Hampton, I would describe the feeling as economically precarious. I had mentioned I was up there a few days this fall, just chatting with people. 
And one of the things that people kept bringing up was the factory closing. So it turns out that they were talking about a manufacturing plant that had been operating since 1942. So it had changed hands a couple of times, but the key thing is that it was one of the last union manufacturing jobs in the region. And just to give you an idea of how important that factory was to the town, both economically and culturally, when it closed, they put the whistle in the local museum. So that helps explain why this arts group you mentioned is trying to attract business to this area. Right, right. And attracting businesses has been a struggle because of that venue statute that I mentioned before. So for example, in 2000, Walmart looked into opening in the neighboring town called Varnville, but it backed out. And to explain why, here's a lawyer I spoke with, Russell Schwartz, and he practices in North Carolina, but he's married to a woman from Hampton. Well, my perception as a licensed attorney in South Carolina is Hampton is a significant bump up in risk if you're a multi-location retailer, and Hampton historically is in the top 10 counties in the United States for highest jury verdicts. If you're somebody's risk manager, you would be all over, no, let's not locate in Hampton. They can bring suit in Hampton. Those juries are very generous. So in a way, the legal code that has helped the Murdoch firm hasn't necessarily been a great thing for everyday workers. So having said that, the firm has put some philanthropic dollars into Hampton that has made a difference. And one person told me his ex-wife worked for the law firm, and she made more in her Christmas bonus than some people in Hampton made all year. But that sort of gives you an idea of the disparity in wealth between the law firm and most folks. And that disparity begins to create a picture of lopsided power. So has anything changed since Alec Murdoch has been arrested? Well, to tell you the truth, things were already changing. That venue statute was revised in 2005, and there's a group called South Carolina Alliance that's been working to promote Hampton to businesses. And that group makes the point that Hampton is very well situated. It's close to two major ports, Charleston and Savannah. It has a ready and willing workforce. Home prices are less out in Hampton County than they are in many places, and there is sunshine all year long. And South Carolina and Comcast just announced a public-private partnership to make sure all the county's homes and businesses have broadband, so they're working on the infrastructure piece. So Hampton is gaining some momentum. The people I spoke with were optimistic, I will say that. The other thing is that there's a lot more scrutiny now on Hampton, and with Murdoch out of the picture, a couple of people said Hampton's kind of informal way of doing business is breaking down. And they told me that it not being all about favors and relationships is a good thing. But it does leave things kind of in flux. Here's Russell Schwartz again. But I do think people are sort of suspicious of things changing. And I think there's some probably understandable anxiety when um, formerly powerful people are no longer in power. He also said that the Murdoch drama has contributed to some other controversies. So, for example, there's the citizens group that's demanding to know where over $5 million raised in a penny tax for rec facilities has gone. Some people say, look, it went into a general fund for county needs, but community members are still calling for more specifics and more transparency. So where does this all leave Hampton today? Mm, I would say frustrated. At least that's the sentiment that I heard again and again. Now, Schwartz, the lawyer, is frustrated because he sees so much economic potential in Hampton. 
And I, I do have to say, it's really a very pretty place with palm trees and it has some Victorian homes. And Brummer, the arts director, she's frustrated because she's trying to create opportunities for young people. And she wants to show these businesses that there are things to do on the weekends. There's concerts and shows and plays. But this murder crime narrative keeps coming in over the top of things. So around Halloween, she ordered this murder mystery kit. It's like a, it's like a clue game. And the idea is that actors are assigned characters and people come to the theater and they watch them act out this sort of improvised drama and then one of the characters and then one of the characters dies and the audience has to guess who the killer is. And in anticipation of this event, the town council passed a resolution opposing the production and they, they wrote it down. They said it echoed the real world allegations and issues currently affecting the town and county of Hampton. I'm feeling a lot of sensitivity towards how the town is portrayed. Right, and I, I cannot blame them. There have been tons of media attention, and it's not for anything positive. And I think that's really hard because people in Hampton describe their hometown as a very giving, very caring community. Here's a woman who works at a dress shop, Alexius Dobson. When um, someone's in need or not necessarily here or anywhere, you know, we, you know, we help wherever we can, even the races that are different. But, you know, when it really counts, we come together and, you know, help one another and support one another. I have to say, I found her words to ring true. Just the few days I was there, people were unbelievably friendly and nice. They, they waved you on the street. If you're pulled over in your car, they'll stop to make sure you're okay. I actually walked into this coffee shop and I saw a bunch of a bunch of older gentlemen sitting around a table and I thought, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get them to talk to me? I'm a reporter, they're never going to want to talk to a reporter. And in about five seconds, they approached me. I think it's because there are not too many strangers who come into Hampton. So when they see somebody they don't know, they don't hesitate to ask who you are. And it is true, everybody is connected. I chatted with those gentlemen in the coffee shop and it turns out one of them is the grandfather of Mallory Beach. She's the young woman who died in the boating accident. And another one had gone to church with Maggie Murdoch. This place is so interconnected that you go to the library and there's something like a town family album with photos of the couple dozen families who've lived in Hampton for hundreds of years. And there were some folks who they wouldn't talk to me on the record, but they said that they were surprised at how wide Murdoch's influence went. And it has touched a lot of friends and family. It's kind of like a web. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Like one person tugs and everybody else gets pulled along. So going back to the very first clip at the beginning, were people too ignorant to realize the crimes happening all around them or indifferent or in some way complicit? Brummer says emphatically no. She said people were just living their lives, trying to make ends meet, raising their kids. And she's actually one of the people who pushed back hard against any idea of Hampton as dangerous or unwelcoming. She said she sees a lot of creativity and promise in Hampton, and she wants for the young people growing up there to be proud of their hometown, not ashamed of it. You know, I, I was there only for a few days, but I do want to leave you with this image. So on the last night I was there, Brummer's group had put on this Southern-style Oktoberfest. There was German food outside and a bluegrass band playing inside that Art Deco theater. It was really fun. And the young people that Brummer had worked with had transformed this alleyway into a beer garden. There were lights overhead and, and long tables stretched out with blue and white checked tablecloths. And there were flowers and there was polka music playing. 
and customers began to come. That tiny little quiet, empty, small town, it began to fill up with people. And a lot of them seemed to know each other. So they're hugging and they're shaking hands and they're coochie-cooing over each other's babies. And, and this line begins to form in front of a buffet table for food. And the servers are there. They're dishing up sausage and pretzels and schnitzel. So I was standing in line and I noticed that the man in front of me begins to get nervous. He kind of he kind of starts shifting his weight from one foot and then the other. And I notice his pants are kind of worn out. And after a couple of minutes, he slides over to the cash register and very quietly he asks, do you have to pay for this? And then out of the corner of my eye, I see one of the other customers. And he was already seated and he had this big plate of food in front of him. And he obviously heard the man too, because he just slid half the food off his plate and put it on an empty plate beside him. For the other guy? Right. Right. And nobody said anything, but I watched one person literally give the food on his plate to someone else. It was so profoundly kind that it, it kind of took my breath away. And I thought to myself, remember this gesture. This is a story about Hampton, too. That's all for now. As always, stay tuned with The Post and Courier for the latest updates in this case. You can follow along at postandcourier.com slash Murdoch hyphen updates. Follow us on Twitter at Post and Courier, and we encourage you to send questions, feedback, and tips to our Murdoch email address. That's Murdoch at postandcourier.com. Today's episode was hosted by Nathan Stevens and reporter Kelly Jean Kelly and produced by Nathan Stevens. Music was provided by Lexon Music. We'll see you next time.